0: Dateline Hemet, California, September 14, 1993, San Bernardino Post-Democrat, page C4. Since 1969, ghost hunters and self-styled paranormal investigators have come to the base of a bluff a few miles outside of Hemet to see the Galban Lights, floating lights in the desert that are said to be the only earthly sign of Benito Galban, a railroad worker killed in a train robbery in 1924. The phenomenon of the floating lights has been known in Hemet since the 1930s, but it wasn't a legend until Grade Z movie director Howard Zeleznik, or Howard Zez, as he called himself, used his knack for self-promotion to bring it to national attention. According to recently retired San Bernardino County Sheriff Clayton Frawley, once I pulled up on a VW camper that I thought might be in distress, and there was this woman kneeling in front of a bluff, moaning and wailing. I thought she was on drugs, but... When I asked her what she was doing, she said she was feeling the vibrations of the tortured spirit of Benito Galban, who died on that spot. I thought she'd be heartbroken when I told her she had the wrong bluff, but she just stopped writhing and vibrating, said, oh, asked for directions, and drove off. What Sheriff Raleigh didn't know, and what few people in Hemet do, is that the entire Benito Galban story was a practical joke that went sideways into being a legend. Today, Dr. Jaime Alvarez uses lasers to study the secrets of subatomic particles, but in 1968, he was an undergraduate student studying optics at Caltech, who worked with his high school friend, Larry Sturtevant, as a production assistant for low-budget films. In September 1968, Dr. Alvarez signed up to work as crew on Howard Zalesnick's embarrassing final epic, Dope Dealers from Outer Space. Said Dr. Alvarez, I'd never worked for Howard before, and even if he hadn't died in May of 69, I doubt I would have ever worked for him again. He was a racist bircher who fought with everybody. Actors, lighting people, camera people, passers-by. Everything was always someone else's fault. We all thought he was an expletive. So after a tough day of shooting, me, Larry, and one of the actors, Frankie DeWolf, came up with a plan to get Howard. See, not only had I heard about the weird lights outside of Hemet, but my optics professor had taken me and some other students out there and demonstrated how high beams on the cars driving by on Highway 79 combined with a local atmospheric inversion layer to create the Mirage. So the way it would go, Frankie would tell Howard about this weird story I told him. Then Howard would come to me. I'd pretend to be reluctant, just to make him insist on hearing it, then tell him a story that was handed down to me from my grandfather about Benito Galban a railway brakeman who hoped to one day save up enough money to marry his sweetheart, Rosa of Santa Rosa. Needing some quick cash and weak of character, Benito threw in with some thieves who planned to boost a Ming vase off the train. But the thieves betrayed him, shot him, and threw him off the Santa Fe Limited, just southwest of Hemet. His ghost haunts the spot where he came to rest, where he still waves his lantern in search of those who wronged him. (laughs) I can still make it sound good, can't I? My roommate at Caltech helped me rehearse it. Dr. Alvarez continued. The day soon came. Larry got the DP to convince Howard to film on the right bluff. Then, while we were setting up, Frankie brought Howard to me, and I told him the tale. And as I did, I monitored every twitch in his face to see if he was buying it, because I figured the one flaw in our plan was that he didn't trust anyone with a name like Alvarez. Whenever anything was missing on set, I was the first person he looked at. A couple of times during the story, I thought for sure he was ready to call BS, but when I finished, he looked down the bluff and said, Wow, that happened here? It amazed me that Howard was so easy. What followed was a long, boring day. Because he kept finding ways to screw up, Howard had to shoot almost 30 takes of Ginny Taylor getting ray gunned to death, which took us from noon to sunset. After we finally wrapped and schlepped all the gear back down to the vans, a bunch of us followed Howard around the bluff to the right spot which does lie where some old railroad tracks used to run. It was maybe 10.30 and getting chilly out, and we stood out there, waiting. Then, up came the lights, seemingly floating over the old railroad bed, just for a few seconds, but clear as day. Howard cried out, Benito! Then they vanished. About a minute later, they came up again, this time a little to the side. Howard rushed toward them, but again, they vanished on him. (laughs) I broke a rib trying not to laugh. Even after my roommate stopped driving back and forth along the road section at 11 p.m., late-night travelers or truck drivers would drive the route, and up the lights would come again, and Howard would cry out stuff like, Benito, what's it like on the other side? And, Benito, have you seen my brother Milford? If you do, tell him my movies are doing great! We didn't leave until damn near four in the morning. When Larry and I got back in our car, shut the doors, and were sure we were out of earshot, We laughed from Hemet all the way back to Pasadena, pausing only long enough to do imitations of Howard so we could laugh even harder. We had no idea, Dr. Alvarez said, that Howard was going to run to all the newspapers and magazines to tell the story. Fortunately, he didn't remember my name, so he kept me out of it. But he ran reporters and anyone else who'd listen up there to see the lights. If he hadn't died first, Howard might have started a new career as a cult leader. Anyway, we never told him. We just didn't have the heart. When asked how he feels about the longevity of the legend, Dr. Alvarez sighed. It's strange. (laughs) I've been involved in some important scientific work, but none of it will be as well known as the BS I told a schlock movie director when I was 19. I'm sure you're going to check out my story, but even if people read every word of it, most of them will go right on believing the ghost story anyway. Dr. Alvarez's story does check out. According to Frankie DeWolf, Larry Sturtevant, Howard Zeleznick's stepdaughter, Molly Snipes, and Dr. Paul Douglas. And there never was a Benito Galban in any employment records for any of the railroad companies that operated in Southern California in the 1920s. Nor was there any murder or theft of a Ming vase mentioned in any contemporary police file or newspaper. But that probably won't stop people from coming here, 24 years after Howard Zeleznick's death, and believing that the light in the dark is a young man betrayed. Still pining for Rosa of Santa Rosa. That was The Curious Legend of the Grade Z Ghost. If you like that story, do be sure to share it on the social media platform of your choice. And if you want to hear more of them, I'll be doing them once a month, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I'm Jim Snowden. Thank you very much.